the blast from our past network. Hi, this is Brian Usna. I'm the director of Return to the Living Dead Part 3 and a down and dirty horror fan. And I like podcasting after dark because it goes where I like to go. Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights, for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom. Tonight's episode, the 1989 Air Cell comic miniseries, The Walking Dead. We love to kill, we loves be dead, we suck meat's brains from out they head. We smoke up crack, we shoots up speed, but what a rush to see meats bleed. We sharp our teeth to rip they flesh, we love our meats alive and fresh. We snap meats necks like ringing a bell, we's the kids, we's the kids, we's the kids from hell. Courtesy of Warp Rap. <laughs> not, uh, not Jay? From Jane Silent Bob. I know it kind of sounded like <laughs> like me doing it. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe uh, uh, Jim Somerville <laughs> channeled some of that. But hey, guys and gals, this is your old pal Corey, joined with me as always with uh, Zach. And uh, this week we are doing something a little bit different. Instead of doing a movie, instead of reviewing a cult movie, we are going to review a cult comic book miniseries, and it's called. The Walking Dead. Yes. Before Kirkman yep. ever laid his eyes on it, before people are going to be like, oh, gosh, you guys are doing something so commercial. Nope. And the irony is, nope, we are doing something completely the opposite of that. Because like Zach just said, this came out in 1989 and it was published by Air Cell Comic Books. Um, shoot, I mean, this is like 15 years before The Walking Dead ever came out. And also yep. before, do you remember that Vietnam movie called The Walking Dead that also came out like late 90s or something yep yeah yeah so yeah exactly which is funny because every time i saw the kirkman comic i thought about this first and then i thought about that vietnam movie before i you know before uh kirkman's comic but yeah yeah that, that vietnam movie never entered my brain and i was always <laughs> like oh is this going to be like that comic book series and then i because they said based on the hit comic book series and i thought oh I didn't realize that Airso comic was such a popular thing. And then it comes out, I'm like, oh, wait, this is not what I expected. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we know that we are primarily a movie, you know, uh, podcast, cult movie podcast. So some of y'all out there might not be as tuned into the comic book stuff as we were as kids, although I'm sure some of you were as well. But just to give you a little bit of backstory, uh, like we said, this came out in 1989. It was written and drawn by Jim Somerville with letters by Ned Poins, and it is a typical 
sort of independent, uh, you know, late 80s, early 90s independent comic book, whereas it has a, col a color cover, but the insides are black and white. This is not a color comic book, which I was pretty used to back in the day. I read, you know, not only reading Marvel and DC stuff, but I read a lot of Air Cell comics. So I am very used to reading black and white comic books. Yeah, um, I was used to like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles being that way too. And Aircell did do some color comics. I know you're going to talk a little bit about their backstory, but uh, but yeah, I I it never I was never disappointed if it was a black and white comic. Yeah, you know, and this actually is probably better because it it's it's so grotesque. It might be too intense uh, with colors. I agree with both of those statements. One, I've never been disappointed by getting a black and white comic. It never, honestly, sometimes artwork looks better in black and white than it does in color. And you Agreed. can see more of the inks and the, and the pencil work and stuff. And two, I think the black and white is perfect for this uh, comic story right oh, here. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. This, this uh, I feel like, was it Fantico? That might have been a... It was like an offshoot of um, Fangoria Starlog, I feel like. But they put out a black and white adaptation of Night of the Living Dead, um, which I still own as well. And beautiful illustrations where they actually incorporated some of the actual footage from the movie into the comic book. And so I think that I feel like that came out around the same time. Zombies were really popular, at least in print form in the late 80s i mean shit they were popular in the 80s period because of return of the living dead yeah uh that's what definitely brought them back into full into the fold let's be honest it wasn't day of the dead and dawn it wasn't day of the dead which came on the 80s that brought zombies back into the fold it was return of the living dead yeah that's like because and this is you could tell it's heavily influenced by Return of the Living Dead, for sure. With the talking zombies and everything in here. And uh, yeah, I had those Night of the Living Dead comic books. Um, there was some, they were cool because they were painted. They were like acrylic paint that was black and white, and it was very, like, drippy. And I, yeah, I loved yeah. it. It was so good. And because they, they also, like... They had an issue that was like a sequel or it picked up right after the movie happened. And then they also had an issue or two where they showed what happened over in England with the royal family and whatnot. And yeah. I still have all of them. Unfortunately, I think the uh, the Night of the Living Dead ones are still in my mom's basement. I, I brought the Walking Dead ones with me here. I have like I have a mini box that is like my Desert Island comic book box, and it has like Walking Dead clearly like this was in it, and some other like comic like a, just too. a bunch of comics that I cannot live without, and I read all the time. This is one of them, and uh, unfortunately, I didn't bring that. So next time I go home, I'll try to dig those up. So maybe we can do an episode of that. Um, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, th this as as our Patreon subscribers saw in our. In the unboxing video I did with uh, my son Bodie, uh, they they saw my surprise. But I, just to give everybody a little bit of insight, you know, obviously, I I am very much familiar with this comic. I own it. Um, I have a small island box as well that I can't believe I've saved all these years. So uh, you know, if 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 this becomes if this is popular and this becomes a thing, I may toe dip into my series because i have some some fun gems that people might be like whoa i never knew they made that into a comic book that are all movie related because typically most of the time 
the shit that I ended up saving was something that was movie related. That that's why it's just the way my brain works. But um, when I unboxed this this series and not not knowing what I was gonna get, and it ended up not being a movie, I was pleasantly surprised to try something new. Um, and then immediately. Bodie's like, what are those? Can I see? Can I see that? Can I see? That? I'm like, oh, no, you can't see that. And then I had to, I read them. And because I, I'm not much of a reader in the evening. I read them during his school day. And he's like sitting, sitting next to me doing his work, watching me. And he's like, oh, I want to see that. What's that? What's that? I'm like, uh, yeah, you can't. I'm so glad you don't read fully yet because, uh, <laughs> What, did, what did you think explain, of the covers? The covers are oh, actually loves, pretty gruesome. He loves them. Yeah. He loves the pictures. I, I mean, issue number two is is his is his favorite, as it is mine, uh, with Joe shooting everybody and yeah. uh, you know the cover. Um, we'll describe it later, I'm sure. But um, yeah, no, he was super into the the visuals, and obviously he's he's like GI Joe is his jam right now. And as a kid, I was still playing with the G's at in 1989 so i was easily doing zombie storylines the things like violent as shit storylines with my gi joes and i'm looking at him and he's six and it's like thank god he's like not there yet you know but i'm looking i'm thinking this is gonna like jumpstart you if you look at any of these pictures so i'm like yeah well (laughs) we'll look at this later dude we'll look at this later he's like when i said when i can show you aliens he's like well when's that when you're old enough to watch Predator. Well, when's that? <laughs> when you're uh, in a little, in a couple of years, in a couple of years. Because he's six now. So are yeah. you thinking like probably three to four years or, or two to three years maybe? I'm thinking eight or nine okay. could be fine. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's all context. Watching it with your parents, with your dad. Well, you as know? Mark Ralston said, if as long as your dad's next to you, eight years old is A-OK to watch Aliens. <laughs> eight years old is A-OK. <laughs> Dot dot dot. <laughs> yeah, dude. No, I, I, I think. I mean, honestly, because he's an artist too. He loves to draw. Yeah. So this is right up his alley of like, whoa. Do, do you show him that? Do you ever show him like other comic book stuff, or is like? Oh yeah. Okay. All right. So, yeah. so he's already getting primed to to read comics like soon or, or currently. I know this one is is mature, but like he's reading comic books, or you're exposing him to comic books now. Yeah, he. I mean, he's he's seen my GI Joe comic books, my Mask miniseries comic books, my Spiral Zone miniseries comic books. I've got so many of those miniseries. I showed him some of the comics in my secret stash, uh, and and I'm like, well, well, I'll show you this when you get older because it might give you nightmares, kind of thing. Yeah. And he's cool with that. He's like, okay, like he totally, you know, he trusts my opinion. Right. That's nice. That yeah. Is- so yeah, he's like, this is his jam, dude. Like he wants to, and I'm looking at it again, going, shit. I used to draw this stuff when I was a kid. Like Dude, me I was too. so influenced by this. I was 13 at the time mm-hmm. going into junior high. I was so angry because I hated school so much and everything I did was violent. Everything. Like I still have the, the, the stories I wrote back then and they're all about zombies and people getting murdered and butchered. I'm like, <laughs> gee, I wonder why we a little influenced in by this shit. When I was a kid, my dad took me to like gun safety class because I was getting a little bit too infatuated with the Punisher. He, the Punisher was my first yeah. comic that I ever read and I was drawing like, like Punisher shooting people and killing people. And my parents, I think were getting a little bit worried. So they're like, Hey, let's take him to gun safety class. 
class and like I shot a gun but I was like even as a kid I kind of understood what was fantasy and what wasn't and yeah I could live in a fantasy world but at the same time I really didn't have any interest in like shooting people for real or yeah, firing guns it was just yeah. fun like I just like the comic I like the Punisher you know but like you said um, like Bodie I'm also an artist you're an artist as well so all three of us are artists and, and we're talking well you're musical but I'm mostly visual artist um, and I went through so many phases as a kid uh, you know drawing styles my, one of my big phases was a Sam Keith phase and my mm. style very much looked like Sam Keith for a while uh, but then I would like you know pick little things up from here and there and I will tell you hands down Jim gee I keep because his name's Somerville I always think of him so I always forget if it was his first name Jim Somerville I love the way he does bullet holes and I drew them like him like he does like he does he shows you where they enter and it makes like a circle with like a little explosion around it yeah and I love that I've always liked how how he draws bullet holes for some reason that was something I really picked up on but like you I drew a lot of pages from this like i would i never trace but i would like look at one and draw it and everything this comic was a was a big deal for me as a kid and you know i was thinking like are we going to do this as a bonus episode like the eight eight obscure 80s toys lines and i was like you know what i want to do this as a regular episode because I would read this comic like I would rewatch a movie. You know what I mean? And sometimes I would reread it in lieu of rewatching a movie. So this comic right here was a part of my rotation just as much as any of these movies that we talk about on Podcast After Dark. Yeah, I I was going to say this. I said it in the the Patreon video. Uh, And if you're not a subscriber, please consider doing so. That would be really (laughs) amazing. We'll get back to that later today or later in the... We'll get back to that later. Um, this is definitely my mom. My mom was very hands off with stuff like this, and she just kind of let me have free reign. I think in in her right mind, she would have not. She would have preferred me not to be so heavily involved with stuff this violent and right. this grotesque, because she was like a pacifist and you know, total peace loving hippie and all that good stuff, which I totally honor and respect. It's all good because yeah. there's one side of me that's that way too. But the other side, it was so cathartic to have stuff like this because it was like, yeah, do it, you know, like like Charlie in Fright Night, do it, <laughs> do it, Peter. Um, so I used to go. I know uh, a good friend of mine, Dean, who listens to this show, is is uh, he and I used to go to this comic book store in Cupertino, and. I went with my buddy Jamal too, and we'd get comics like this and other air cell gems. Um, but the thing is like, I, yeah, this is perfect for pad because it's, it's like the, the stuff that we were not allowed to see for me. I look at it as like, well, we weren't, I was not allowed to see this as a kid. It's definitely cultish. It's yes. taboo. Yeah. Uh, it fits, it checks all the boxes for me personally. So I'm glad you chose it, man. It's, it's a very welcomed, warm friend. Good. I'm, I'm glad, dude. I'm I'm glad that you you're you're excited to go down this this rabbit hole. One interesting side fact: I actually turned this into a screenplay when I was in film school, which, by the way, was at Towson University, where Mike Flanagan, the director of Doctor Sleep, went and graduated from. I was not there when he was there, and I am not as famous as he is, but I'm working on that. Um, but I I figured, you know, I was like, I was like, this is kind of perfect because I actually turned this story 
into a screenplay. I was like, ah, fuck it. I don't have it anymore. That shit was on like a, remember, like a floppy disk for God's sakes back in the day. What's crazy that this could easily, and I'm surprised it hasn't been turned into a movie or a mini or a series. Yeah. Surprising to me. Yeah. Because it's, it's ripe for that. It really is. It really is. And and there's some cool things about it that we'll obviously get into, but knowing that, you know, you liked it as a kid and then I, you know, reread it these past couple of days, I've been rereading it multiple times, and I'm like, oh, I, I, I do wonder if you kind of like it because it has like a warrior's vibe to it, like a zombie oh, yeah. warrior's vibe, and uh, the, the kids from hell are kind of like this gang, you know, of street toughs you know it just it very much reminds me of like a new york gang film but just with or you know like a a cops versus a gang type of film but with zombies and human cops yeah yeah it's it's very i don't want to say cliche but it's very like it's that standard kind of story you know one man against them all kind of deal and it has elements of carpenter in it where there's an ensemble it's not just one dude, yeah. but it comes down to one dude. It's it, it, it seems like it's going to be one guy, but it's it's really is kind of an ensemble cast, and uh, and yeah, there's elements of the warriors with the with the gang. Dare I say, a little more badass than uh, the rogues, you know, the main <laughs> villains and the warriors. But um, but yeah, it's it's I I mean, it has all the elements that I look at and go. Yeah, that's badass. Yeah. yeah, that's badass. The president is badass. Yeah, you know? right? Even the president's badass. So j- just so you all know, if you're listening to this episode, um, I will be posting a lot of visual references on the Instagram page and the Facebook page and everything. So you guys can get a sense of what the comic looks like, what the characters look like. And because uh, it's also this is not one of those comics that's easy to find. It's not nope. on Comixology. Uh, I honestly, I don't believe any area. Cell comics are on Comicsology, and I think uh, I think even you, Zach, looked up on eBay or something to get like the whole series was was expensive. I got lucky and found uh, had a line on on five issues that that I could get a hold of that was much infinitely cheaper than than eBay. So. We're, we're definitely aware that this might be hard to come by, and we're aware that you all might not have read it, so I will do my best to post as much visual references as I can so everyone can sort of join along and have fun with it. Yeah, it's worth it's worth tracking down, though. I know I'm sure, I'm sure we have uh, a few listeners on a show that still own copies. Yeah. Robert, Robert Ortiz probably does, but, um, but yeah, it's worth... It's definitely worth getting, in my opinion. And it's, it's definitely worth getting a reissue. I don't know what the hell happened to Air Cell Comics, but... I'll get into that in a second. Um, cool. So, yeah, let's let's talk about Air Cell real quick. Um, I have the Wikipedia page. So I'm just going to read it because, obviously, it's, yeah. it's super condensed and, and perfectly worded. So, Air Cell Comics, a.k.a. Air Cell Publishing, was a Canadian comic book publisher founded by Barry Blair based in Ottawa and active from 1985 to 1994. It was mer- it merged with American publisher Eternity Comics in 1988 and that itself was an imprint of Malibu Comics and 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 in the late 1980s was taken over by Malibu before ceasing publication so a few interesting things to note there as well one Malibu is now owned by Marvel so thus air cell I guess all air cell properties are owned by Marvel as well but so the, the another cool thing is 
Malibu Comics it was the original publisher of the Men in Black comic book series from 1990, yeah. which was then turned into the movie Men in Black that we all know and love. So that was originally a comic book series, and I remember— I own it. Yeah, I, still, yeah. I, I never owned it, but I remember seeing the ads for it in— air cell comics you know uh stuff like like you know warlock 5 and things like that i remember seeing men in black ad but yeah so the movie men in black that we all know and love freaking comes from malibu comics yeah malibu was badass i have oh man um i i i have quite a few comics from that from malibu from Malibu, yeah. yeah. Um, I think I think Rob Liefeld got his start at Malibu as well, doing some stuff like covers and things over there. Yeah, I I just I always I don't know. It's I've always been attracted to the underground label versus the mainstream. Like I think that's why I was into the Punisher, like you were, because I'm like, well, yeah, Punisher's Marvel, but it's it's not Spider Man. I was I was not a fan of Spider. I was not a fan of like the big names. I just I wasn't. I didn't dislike them, but. But it was more just like, meh. I was always the the indie guy. Yep. I like the indie characters. So so this the indie labels right up my alley, dude. So yeah, that uh, I have that original miniseries, the Men in Black one. It's pretty good, actually. Yeah. I kind of like it actually more than the uh, movie, to be honest with you. I, that doesn't surprise me at all. Um, and, yeah, to go into, like, my comic book reading back in the day, for those of y'all who didn't listen to uh, me on uh, the Ongoing Comic Book Discussion podcast with Tess uh, about a year ago, but my I was big into the Dark Horse licensed comics in, in the late 80s, early 90s. That was my jam. I read Terminator, Predator, Alien, all the aliens, and all that shit. And then aside from that, it was, you know, I, would, I did Punisher and X-Men, and then I did, like, everything Air Cell. And in, I would always go to comic book conventions back when they were literally just like a bunch of guys with long boxes in a in a Marriott, you know, conference room with not one single woman anywhere. An actual comic book convention. Yes, yes. No, no <laughs> cosplay, no nothing, just yeah. dealers, that's it. And, you know, I mean, I was there when I was like 11, 12, 13. They didn't give a fuck about selling me the adults-only stuff. So I read a lot of the Barry Blair uh, adults-only uh, air cell comics like Leather and Lace. and uh, War- Cherry Pop-Tart? Cherry, I think Cherry Pop-Tart was one of them. <laughs> um, all kinds of shit like that. And Thank you, Eric. And of course, like, like all of those were black and white. So again, I had no problem, you know, reading black and white stuff. So, but like as a kid, honestly, it was like the easiest way for me to see nudity was through these, these underground comic books. So I read a lot of them cause I was a horny little kid. <laughs> yeah. My brother had all those. And yeah. I was like, what are you reading? He's like, get out of my room. Close the door. <laughs> Why do you want me to close the door? Go read your Punisher. Go read your Punisher. Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. Be back in 10 minutes. Two minutes later. <laughs> Two okay. Minutes. Okay. It's all good now. Here you go. <laughs> Why are you sticky? Okay. Anyways. Oh, poor Eric. <laughs> no, I think I, I think I would pop those magazines or comic books open. And I'm like, I don't know. I was just, I wasn't my, wasn't my jam, but, no. but man, air cell, has some good shit they do and, they do and and this is definitely the cream of the crop hey everybody Corey here i just want to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages 
October 31st, 1981. It's the night of the party at Jerry's Arcade. It's the night all the kids have been waiting for. It's the night they have been waiting for. There's a new game at the arcade. It's killer. Polybius. From David Irons, the writer of Nightwaves, the real terror begins. Polybius. Available now from Severed Press. And now, back to the show. Before we get into it, we don't have any cast and crew to talk about, so I just want to kind of give you guys some characters, um, some character names so we can kind of keep track of them, but, you know, I'll mention things and and as we go along the best I can, Uh, but basically it boils down to two factions here. We have cops that are made up of the main character, kind of the main guy, is uh, Joe Barker. Uh, Then we have Keith, Max... Petrie and Chris. Chris with a K, female. Then over on the bad guy side is we have the gang, the zombie gang called the Kids from Hell. And first off, you got to know that anytime the kids say anything that has an S, they replace it with a Z. So the Kids is spelled K I D E Z. Um, you start off with. Jack Crack is the main leader of the bad guys. He's freaking awesome. He looks like an old skinny uh, Rob Zombie, like a zombie Rob Zombie. He's wearing like like that Rob Zombie hat that was big in the late 80s. Like the the Lost Exorcisto, you know, album cover uh, Rob Zombie version. And he's wearing, of course, like a vest and, you know, sleeveless vest and all that kind of stuff. But uh, And, of course, his name is spelled like J-A-K and then Crack is K-R-A-K. And they do all kinds of shit like that. So, um, like you said earlier, the 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 rap that I was doing is uh, was sung by Warp Rap. Then we got a uh, Slackjaw, we got Sick Dick, and then we just got a bunch of other cannon fodder. I'd say there's about twenty kids from hell in this, and uh, over the course, you know, they, most of them get plucked off. But those are some of the handful of names that you know you'll sort of remember. Yeah, it would, to me, uh, going back to the rogues from the Warriors, ooh, he's putting a Z in with Vienez. Uh, we've got these guys, uh, Warriors, <laughs> crazy. And uh, yeah, like I do see, <laughs> I guarantee you, uh, Jim Somerville had to have been a fan of the Warriors. I feel like because and this is New York, right? I mean, it doesn't say it, and I know this. It starts in Washington D.C., but I think this is supposed to be New York. Yeah, I couldn't track that. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. Uh, I'll say it's in New York, too. Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. And, you know, the thing is, everybody was a fan of the Warriors, even if they yeah. didn't know they were a fan of the Warriors. Like, <laughs> they were. They just, they were. It, deep down, you got to admit that. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah. This yeah. Is war- Warriors. Uh, and the, the opening, though, uh, I love this opening. Though. Yes. Yes. So, let's, let's get into it. Um, Zach, you're going to like always just chime in whenever you feel like it. Um, but I was actually just going to read the opening because it the dialogue sort of also describes what's happening. So let me just uh, just read it and then you can jump in after I'm done with this intro. Um, it began with a battle in space. The combatants, two alien races represent a generations-long feud, the origins of which have been be- have been forgotten by both sides. It's a full splash page of two spaceships, like, you know, zigzagging and, and dogfighting in space. 
The intergalactic dogfight chase nears its end within our solar system. The commander of the larger vessel cries that his ship is nearly out of fuel. The gunner calls that his guns are just about out of power. While deep in the hold, the 13 containers of the miracle gas used by the enemies to rejuvenate lifeless warriors in the endless war of hate await their destiny. A pursuing ship scores a direct hit. The dying gunner squeezes his last burst, sending his killers into oblivion. And then the pilots burn in their cockpit as the ship begins to fall to earth. And then, boom, it crashes right into a cemetery in Washington, D.C., while two um, uh, military people are kind of tracking it overhead. So that's how they basically are saying in this comic that the zombie apocalypse is started by a an alien you know, gas that brings the dead back to life that they use for their war. And I thought this was fucking cool as shit. It reminded me of something like Night of the Comet, something like uh, Maximum Overdrive. I like how it's in space. Space is affecting us on Earth, you know? Yeah, uh, a little bit of Night of the Creeps, too. Uh, yeah. You know, obviously those were leech aliens that went in, turned people into zombies, but same concept, aliens from out of space. Yeah, I love it. It's a great way to start the opening. I don't have much more to say other than <laughs> than, than it's a great way. Yeah, and the in the, 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 the printing, the, the text, the lettering is so kick-ass and dope. Um, I don't know. It's just really beautiful looking. I mean, it is. There are some pages where you can tell he kind of had to rush them. Um, but, I, like, when Jim Somerville's art is on point, it's fucking gorgeous. But when it's not, it's like a five. And, and there's a couple pages in each issue that kind of, you can tell he kind of just had to burn through it really quickly. Because, again, he's it's him writing and drawing and probably doing all the inks. Like, everything is him except for the lettering. Yeah, and there's a couple moments where I felt like, he had to, he stretched it into four issues. Yeah, it totally, totally could have been a lot condensed, but I'm not going to complain about that. No, no, not at all. <laughs> so the spaceship crashes right into what the, the comic says, Washington, D.C.'s biggest cemetery. And I love how it says, it says, the alien rejuvenation gas has immediate effect. Washington, D.C.'s largest cemetery begins to give up its dead. I love that. I, I, the writing in this, I mean, it's not, like, award-winning writing, but he does a good job of, like, setting tone, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I love it. It it, it just jumps right into it. it right takes no into time it. at all. Nope, no no time at all. I mean, literally, it, it's like the next page is this uh, just a funeral or a, a memorial service uh, for a lady and her husband, and uh, she's kind of grieving over her husband's, you know, open casket, and she's he, she's like, goodbye, Morty, and then he pops up. He's like, why don't you come with me, Mary, and then just starts eating her, and that's what's freaking awesome because they talk about how, you know, most of the zombies come back as mindless, your, your typical mindless drone but some of them do come back with their memories intact but they're still you know they're different they're changed and actually the the bonus episode at the the issue the bonus issue at the end dives into i guess what happens when you turn into a zombie but we'll get into that and that was kind of an an interesting concept but you know just because they come back with their memories doesn't mean they're good 
So once uh, the next page after said that was kind of like a little bit of a prequel and you can tell there's there's kind of a little bit of a time jump, maybe just by like a couple of days or something. But you see this kid, a young African-American kid running through the city and he's being pursued by just, you know, shambling undead, the, the typical slow moving drone type of zombies. And uh, he comes across the, the local church and he goes inside hoping to find refuge and salvation. And he sees Father Brannigan over there in the corner standing by a cross and he thinks that he's saved. And he goes down, kneels by Father Brannigan and he looks up and it's an awesome picture of of Father Brannigan's face like looking down at him like snarling because he's a fucking zombie. But I I always love it when when you can't see the damage on the zombie and you don't quite know that they're a zombie just yet. I always think that's like the freakiest way. Like, I, I don't know, like... Seeing a zombie with like the arm ripped off or like like cut in half or something, it's like yeah, that's grotesque. But it's like okay, well you're a zombie and I know what you are. But like yeah, like the fact that like you can't see the damage, that's I think that's freaky. Yeah, first I was like, is he uh, a zombie or is he just a um, sex predator that <laughs> got found out because he's a priest? Um, but uh, but no, and also reminded me, I think Phantasm Two came out maybe the year before in '88. And so the priest in that uh, who gets his ear cut off and uh, he's an alcoholic and and he's like sweating all the time and looking all disheveled. And it's it reminded me of that a little bit and then a little bit of um, Prince of Darkness with the with the cross in the background and just this this kind of brooding, you know, uh, what do you call it? Impending doom Mm -hmm. that's about to uh, come upon this little kid who's looking for his salvation. No, you're not going to get salvation. No, you're going to get your eyeballs eaten. Um, <laughs> so spoiler, just uh, just then, more zombies crash through the front door. He kind of breaks free from Father Brannigan's grasp and runs out the back, down through the alley, and he's being chased by all of them. And he rounds the corner and runs right into one of Jack Crack's boys, the kids from Hell. I believe this one is Slackjaw, is who he runs into. Uh, first off, I will say Jim Somerville does a good job of making like the five or six main kids from hell very distinct looking. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Um, giving the zombies personalities. It's, it's like what Romero did in, um, day of the dead, you know, and it's like a precursor to that. So I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if Romero was influenced a little bit by this. Also, it reminded me of uh, Kirkman's Walking Dead with the the character, like the the colorful post apocalyptic post apocalyptic characters. Mm-hmm. I don't think up until this point we had seen that much uh, of a like gang zombie gang. I don't think there. Were, I think this is kind of groundbreaking in that way. Yeah, I think this might be the first zombie gang that we see and ever. I've I, and I think one of the reasons I also like this comic is I you know I always wanted to see Day of the Dead happen in a city you know like I wanted to see what was going on in the cities and now we know that it's just the budget is just too tough to make something like that happen but back in 89 we could read this comic and have it be completely fulfilled and then later you know I'd play you know PlayStation and play Resident Evil and specifically Resident Evil 2 and you know I love that shit so I think I just I love 
I love zombie movies or zombie stories that take place in cities because you feel like you should be safe in a city because you're surrounded by, you know, people. But then, obviously, if they're all dead, then it just becomes one giant smorgasbord. Yeah, yeah, you're 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 lost in New York, like yep. Kevin was in Home Alone too. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, <laughs> Slackjaw, I love how he just says "Hello, supper" to the kid and grabs him by the throat and just takes out all the other. He and by the way, he calls them dead dumbs. They call the 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 slow shambling zombies dead dumbs, which I, I like that too. There's cool world building here. The fact that the 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 kids from hell have a backstory that's connected to Joe, like it's just it's really cool world building. So. We see all of a sudden we see uh, Jack Crack come into to the frame and we see his like a full splash page of his picture and he looks awesome. I love the way Jack Crack looks. Yeah. So, um, then we see now cut to the boys from hell are at there. It's like a hideout, I guess, but it looks like it's just like a, an abandoned, you know, parking lot with a bunch of cars. You don't know if this was already destroyed before, like a part of a New York that was just terrible, or like if, is this like this afterwards? But it, again, it reminds me of something out of a you know an early '80s New York gang movie, you know. Yeah, and totally. um, so, uh, Sick Dick is holding the skull of the kid, and he says, uh, "I saw its face, man. I ate its face." And I, I love it. They're just they're so gleefully evil you know there's nothing redeeming about them is what's really cool about it so uh they're talking about uh, enjoying their meal and they tell warp rap to sing them a tune and that was the song that i i sang at the beginning uh you know jim somerville wrote all i guess he wrote all the lyrics for this and in, in a few minutes you'll see it like there's a chase scene that has some music to it as well so i think he just wrote that do you like it in comic books when the writer writes the lyrics to the song. I, I've seen it, and I only ask because I've seen it before, not just for here. But is that something you like, or do, do you even read it, or you just gloss over it? No, I did read it. In fact, the second song that you're referencing, I think, had a hand in getting me more interested in hardcore punk oh, okay. at the time because I was listening to like Black Flag and Suicidal Tendencies and, uh, you know, stuff that like thrash metal anthrax and you know skater quote-unquote skater music Mm -hmm. and when you know joe has his moment with listening to his songs same idea of like i i remember that's the shit i would rock out to oh nice uh because it would get me really pumped up and motivated and i probably was listening to that music when i was reading this too (laughs) yeah joe yeah yeah like i was more i wanted to be steven dorf from the gate but i was more like his dorky nerd friend who wore the leather jacket but it just didn't fit like it's like (laughs) what are you doing dude why are you wearing that leather jacket you're not cool but i tried to be i thought i was um but yeah like i I love that shit. I love that he came up with his own lyrics and like, you know, it's like a little montage. Mm-hmm. It's a montage yeah, scene. It's a little montage. Know? scene. <laughs> Meanwhile, while the montage is going on, you see Joe like 
in the background getting ready to light up the town. So yeah, dude. I love it. Yep. So so they're all partying. The kids from hell are partying. Warp Rap is singing into the femur bone, you know? I mean, it's it's kind of funny. It's a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but it's also dark humor, morbid. And uh, you got Joe, Joe Barker, coming up uh, from behind a car. He's got his rifle uh, sticking out. And it's cool because he takes aim and he says, goodbye, Warp Rap, and pop. And I love, like... He blows up the middle part of his head, so the top part is, like, still sort of floating there, and you know it'll just sort of fall back down. Uh, And then he has Jack Crack right in his sights, but Jack Crack drops down behind another one of his goons, and and Barker, you know, kills that guy. And while this is happening, one of uh, the kids from Hell is kind of sneaking up on him, and he spins around, shoves the gun under that zombie's chin, and just, like, blows his brains out from the top. All of these gunshots, like I said before, I love the way Jim Somerville draws bullet hits and just the da- he likes to show the damage that the bullets do, and it feels like an action movie. Yeah, it's he he, he paints this so damn well. Uh, the intensity's flying. The 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 bullets are flying. <laughs> the bullets are flying. The smoke from the guns after they're done shooting looks really cool. The the the, um, the, the he, you know they're firing like handheld Uzis and he draws the 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 magazine rounds coming out of the top and everything. Yeah, it's badass, and and Joe looks badass too. Joe does, yeah. He's he's, uh, yeah. I like Joe. He's kind of got a little top, uh, a little high and tight cut going on. Very, it looks military, you know. He does, but it, it's clearly like as as this comic book goes on it's clearly like a ken forey yeah for a uh homage yes yes for sure yep absolutely of course the jig is up everyone's shooting at, at joe now so he just you know he's he's out of there and i love how he's like you know running at, at his car it's a it's like a convertible uh what is that like a it looks like a, it could have been corvette uh like stingray a, yeah like, like, like a, a classic one yeah yeah classic stingray corvette yeah so he, he jumps in. He's I love how he's like start right up for me, baby, and uh, he pops it in. It's called the it's the the song is called Hard Nosed and Brutal by Jim Somerville, and it's it's I'll do some lyrics here. Uh, uh, I'm wild eyed and vicious like a rabid animal, depraved and dangerous, hard nosed and brutal. Vigilante stone cold killer, I'll end your disgusting lives. So die, you mother, die, die, you mother, die, die, die. And it's so fucking cool because as he's like doing those lyrics, fucking Joe, first off, there's no front window on his on his uh, windshield on his car. So he's kind of just like striving around and just gunning down these fucking zombies while while Jack Crack is yelling at him. He's like, face the facts, you know, the world is ours now, Joe. We be coming for you. You know, he's like, one day we catch you. Barker one day we lick the blood from your bones and then you know Barker's driving away looking at the camera saying not in a million years bile bag not in a million years while his music is just blasting it's it's I mean for a comic book it he yeah like we like you said he does a great job of like just setting the tone of it yeah because you hear the music playing in the background and then you can you can right. hear the machine gun over top of it and the tire yeah. screeching. It's it's such a you hear yeah. like Lemmy singing. Or, yeah, 
Your ultimate death, my plan, my blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Dude, it's fucking awesome. Die, die, die. Die, 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 mother, die, die, die. Like, sh- shaking your head, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Joe gets back to the, what it looks like, it's it's basically like a fortified police station in the city. They have, um, they have a top area where they can, where they have spotlights and, and, you know, a couple guys up there watching out, you know, over the streets and, uh, down below there's a garage that you can park into. But other than that, it looks pretty fucking fortified with no other ways in. And, uh, so they get back in there. Joe gets back in there. He's greeted by Keith. Um, he asking how he's doing, you know, Joe said he actually, he, he missed Jack again, but he offed at least six more kids um and he's like yeah send him right back to hell hey joe you got that right so and of course uh keith says that chris and max are mad at him and so he goes to talk to chris and max uh chris and you know and this is rightfully so they're they're both kind of upset with them because you know this isn't the 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 same game anymore you know the they're playing for keeps and you know you're gonna bring them right back to us because i think at this point they're kind of like a little bit hidden and uh they're not wrong about that you know no, no. I mean, he's out for revenge. He is. And we'll find out why in, in the next issue. So right now he goes, he goes, uh, let's see. This issue ends with Max saying, uh, Chris is right. Uh, Chris is right. As you know, as you well know, cigar, Kansas cigar. He goes, the game you're playing with the kids could bring us all down. It's not the same game it used to be. And then it ends with jo- Joe going, no kidding. He goes, but now there's no one to stop me from playing the game by my rules. Is there? And then of course, like his, he goes, it's, it's spelled I Z, you know? So it's because he's becoming one of them. Um, and that was the end of the first issue. By the way, I wanted to give the name of each issue. This issue was called the Genesis of the walking dead the next issue is called presidential address thoughts on the first issue so far i mean we i know we've covered everything but any any last thoughts on the first issue i love i love that last um you know illustration is really badass yeah he's like he looks like a black arnold schwarzenegger Mm -hmm. basically you know he does and And, uh, and that's so fucking cool and even as a kid i was like this is awesome i i wish i saw more african-american comic book heroes you know yeah, it's really badass. I, I, I also was kind of tripping a little bit because they say, you know, also available from Malibu Graphics in the back and they show all the, the different comic books that they had at that time. <laughs> yeah. It's such a time capsule to go. 1989 doesn't feel like it was so long ago, but it really was. And the funny thing is coming up on 30 years. It really, yeah, it's, it's crazy, dude. But the funny thing is you would have to order these individually because, uh, previews was around at the time, but there were also multiple other distribution companies. And, uh, I would say, I know that like monopolies are bad, but the one good thing that previews or that diamond comics distributors did was they, uh, um, standardized what day was new comic book day because multiple distributors would have, you know, you'd get your comics on maybe Friday or Thursday. So of course, like if you got your Spider-Man 100 on Tuesday and the store down the streets gets theirs on Thursday, well, you win. So at least when diamond comics distributors, like basically sucked up all the, all the little distribution companies and became the conglomerate that it is at the very least, it created Wednesday being new comic book day. It, that wasn't the case before diamond. I always thought Friday was the day, but, um, you know, I used to, we used to go to R and K comics and 
And that was like Friday was the day, but I didn't realize other places would do it on different days. Yep. And and then now probably starting, I'd say, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, whenever Diamond pretty much solidified its hold. Now forever is Wednesday is new comic book day now. That's just normal. Well, there you go. That's what's up. <laughs> bop, bop. <laughs> bop, bop. <laughs> oh, man, we should. I been, it would have been great to see uh, his people, the King of New York's, like uh, Christopher Walken's guys versus like it, like if this, this or King of New York, but with zombies. You know what I mean? Like, how cool would that be? You guys, <laughs> zombies Z- killing us. <laughs> we got to do something about it. <laughs> zombies, man. All right, so issue number two, which has Zach's favorite cover, which is... It's badass. It is, it is. And I always like it when, even as a kid, I liked it when the same artist, like, so Joe, uh, Joe Somerville drew the cover, but I love the fact that it's, like, it's his style, but then he painted it. So it's kind of, like, it's his style just, you know, beefed up. And I always like that when when the artist themselves does the cover. Yeah, I love it, man. Like, it is... I I I... I... I may I re I think I had more than one issue of this back in the day because I cut up I cut pictures out. Mm. I was a big I'm a big button guy, I still am, and I had made buttons out of my favorite images and that him with that gun and that face looking all intense. Yeah, there's a lot of a- there's a lot of action in this, you know, for for a still image, there's a lot Beautiful. of motion and action going on. It's beautiful, and then it's like black and white-ish, like dark, yeah. but it's got colors. that green mute. Uh, the Walking Dead font is like mm-hmm. green neon. It's, it's wicked cool. Yeah, it is. Like I said, I'll, I'll post all of this stuff as much as I can online so you guys can check this out while you're listening to the episode. And by the way, I love how this issue starts. Um, it, it's it's kind of – so first page is like three panels it, zoomed in on a, like just a bunch of zombies. Second panel zooms out a little bit more, and you see that the zombies are all against a wall. And then the third panel zooms out even further to where the zombies are just like like you just see little heads and then above them is a bunch of military soldiers on top of this clearly like constructed wall it's uh it's really cool because you can see that it would have been like a, a a tracking a dolly shot like backwards type of thing I wouldn't be surprised if Somerville has maybe a film background or something I feel like his panels are are sort of filmatic you know I don't know yeah but that, that's very like world war z-esque yeah yeah with the giant so, wall i think max brooks owns uh owes him some royalties as well <laughs> i wouldn't be surprised if some of the modern zombie movie fans or people who create that kind of stuff remember this comic i wouldn't be surprised if this was something they're like oh yeah i remember this and then the next page is a giant two-page splash where we pull out even further, and you see that that wall and all of those zombies are actually outside of the White House. And, you know, it's got, like, all kinds of, like, armaments on it now and everything. And I, I still think that, like, right here, like, I always never thought, like, Washington would fall with zombies. You know, the, to me, this makes more sense than than Washington falling. Like, I feel like the military would have been able to hold back the tide while they erected some kind of, you know, like, because you, we think, like, if every bit of resource is put into protecting this one building, I think the military would have probably protected it. Well, so I, I only say this because I've watched it about 10 times in the past two months, but, uh, watching the G.I. Joe five-part miniseries Arise, Serpentor Arise, mm-hmm. when Serpentor is 
born and takes over Washington with all the troops. Cobra sends their entire fleet, every single one of their soldiers and equipment and military, you know, tanks and planes, et cetera, et cetera. And at first they're able to take over Washington, but they're not able to hold it because they run out of fuel and ammunition. Yep. And so that makes sense to me. Like initially you could take it over, but then we would, you know, have the, the, uh, we'd have the back catalog or the, the, the resources to take it back. So yeah, for Washington to kind of fall, so to speak, uh, is, is shocking because you would think, no, we'd have enough. That's where, you know, obviously they've got to go with two options and, and you'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's very, I don't even want to think about that. Did, now, have you ever read World War Z? Not the movie, but have you read the book? No, I never read the book. Okay, so there was, it's a really cool book. And, and actually, I don't hate the movie, but the book is infinitely I li- better. I like the movie. Yeah, I too. honestly like the movie. Me too. Um, But yeah, I, I, that's what I've heard too, is that the book is just 10 times better. In particular, there's this one chapter that I fucking loved called The Battle for Yonkers. And it, you can tell that it was like, like uh, Brooks's, you know, it was like his magnum opus to sort of show why the military failed because he goes to great lengths in this chapter of telling you why like the most like powerful you know army in the world would not survive against these zombies because to distill it down it's because a lot of our weapons are designed for shock and awe as well as uh the the you know the 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 damage that it's supposed to do but when you throw a grenade into a a group of people of combatants if they're human combatants it's going to kill like a few it's going to wound a bunch others and then it's going to cause the rest of them to run but if you're fighting zombies with these tactics with these military tactics that we use today it doesn't work because when you throw the grenade in there it might actually only fully destroy one or two zombies blow off a bunch of other zombies like legs and shit but it will not stop them and then it does nothing to the morale of the other zombies so yeah so he you know it was kind of interesting how he talks about how these a lot of these concussion weapons that we use are mostly designed as shot for to be shock and awe where it but that doesn't work on zombies and that's no. what's kind of that it if you ever get a chance at the very least read the chapter of the battle for yonkers world war z it's so good cool I probably won't, but I, yeah, I get it. I understand. <laughs> I don't read either, so I get no, it. No, no, no. I, I mean, I want to. I'm I just going to be honest. You know yeah. how many people time, how many times people say, yeah, I'll check it out, and then they never do. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be honest and say the chances are slim, but I want to. Yeah. No, And you know what? I appreciate that more than I know anything. you do. I know you do. <laughs> Who doesn't appreciate that? I had my buddy Bert. Uh, he was like, you know, I was going to send you a YouTube link, you know, but I, I decided not to because I knew you weren't going to check it. And I was like, yeah, you can send it. I'm never going to look at it because I don't look at anything on YouTube. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, now I, I would do that. Yeah, I wouldn't. So back to Walking <laughs> Dead. So the president who you said was cool looking. Yeah. So the president is fucking bald with an uh, an eye patch. So he kind of looks like like a shaved Donald Pleasance a little bit. He like a Donald Pleasance without the goatee. I was going to say he looks like Michael Rooker from Mallrats. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Yep. Yep. You're right. He is a bit more Rooker-esque because he's he's like younger and, and thicker like Rooker was then. And and by thick, I mean T-H-I-C-C. 
<laughs> so the president is addressing, you know, basically addressing people saying, you know, it's important for us to try to keep reaching out to survivors. Uh, basically, you know, we're working on an antidote. We're trying to, you know, fight this thing. Um, but if we if we can't, we're going to have to go with more extreme measures. Um, but until then, just, you know, stay alive, stay in groups, stay inside, stay hidden and just, you know, stay alive. And uh, after his his press conference thing is over her his address is over uh one of the scientists and, and one of the generals is kind of like next to him and you know they're like i i, I must prote- protest about you know you, you hinting at the use of nuclear weapons but of course the general you know is like you know, he thinks it's the only way to go it's very dr strange love-esque yeah for for yeah. a microsecond but you know the the general wants to nuke the country essentially you know um, we find out that the president's wife, the first lady, uh, is sick. She's in uh, like like in a bed, but you know a bunch of IVs and everything hooked up to her, and you know where this is gonna go. But uh, so the president comes in, he's like, "Oh, everything's gonna be fine. Once all of this is over, we'll go back to California and we'll sit on the beach and watch the sunset. You know all that kind of stuff." And then she's like, "Oh, that would be lovely." But then she starts like hacking and coughing and everything and as the doctor is running to go get the i'm sorry as the president is running to go get the phone to call the doctor i like that her hand you can see it and it's all like in the shadow in the shadow and it's all like gnarled with like a claw it's it's a it's a cool little subtle thing i mean it's not that subtle but and she's not a zombie like this second but it's like it's just it's a nice representation of, of what's becoming of her yeah, I love this. I love this storyline. It's too bad that it really doesn't. We don't see it get played out. No, and I don't know if it's there for filler or if it's there to kind of you know uh, illustrate the world. You know, it's to kind of world build. And you know, I, I like it. And like you, I yeah, mean, me it, too. It's it's yeah, it's it's neat. It's I wish there was more. Maybe he was pl- planting you know seeds for for next series or something. But yeah, but. It, there's not much to it, but I like that it's there. I like that we see something else happening. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Back at the police station, uh, Max is, you know, Max and Joe and Chris are, are listening to the radio and they're like, you know, what, what did he mean by uh, uh, drastic measures? And of course, Joe's like, oh, he's talking about nuking the country. Of course, they don't believe that he would that they would do that. And he's like, Joe's like, of course they will. There's there's nothing else they can do, Max. This is this is a hopeless situation, you know. So it's interesting because. Now you already get the sense that they're they're on a, a ticking clock, right? Like, you know, there's going to be nukes eventually, so they got to figure something else out. But it won't matter because right then and there, the entire police precinct is rocked by a giant explosion, you know, and, and like pieces are falling off the wall and everything. And then all of a sudden, Keith comes running in. He's got a bloody nose. He's like, the kids from hell are attacking the station. Of course they are, because Joe, you fucking brought them there, my man. They go upstairs, and they see that, like, Petrie's kind of, like, like shaken. You know, he's, he hasn't been killed, but he's kind of shaken. And uh, there's a hole in the wall and everything. And, and, you know, the kids from hell are shooting. And, of course, Jack Crack is, you know, yelling, Tonight's the night we strip the flesh from your bones, Barker. And then, of course, Barker's like, Don't count on it, Jack Crack. And then you turn the page, and there's this 
awesome fucking two-page spread of like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight kids from hell just sh- destroying the the police precinct while while the cops, you know, on the the second you know balcony, uh, fortified balcony, kind of shooting back, but. Dude, like, this is, like, you could just see this being filmed, like, as a movie, you know? Yeah, it's so, oh, it's so cool. It's so cool. Yeah, it's, it's intense. And I love, I love that, that these are not your typical brainless zombies, that they're, they're just, they're super, superhuman. They're like Return of the Living Dead. Like, this is, this, I mean, honestly, this could fit into the Return of the Living Dead this universe. If you just took out the prequel part about the the spaceships and made it Trioxin, this could be just a Return of the Living Dead, you know, entry into like a Return of the Living Dead series. Yeah, or or the Trioxin ended up coming from space. There you go. Ah, that there you go. You did it, buddy. You got us there. <laughs> um and I do, by the way, next page, I love this picture of Jack Crack shooting his uh, Uzi. I drew this before. Like, I, I remember it. And I love the way Jim Somerville does shadows, uh, like like with his eyes and everything. It's so fucking cool. But one thing I really want to point out, so Jack Crack is shooting, and he shoots Petrie. Petrie was just one of the cops, kind of like a, a, a cannon fodder. But I love in the panel of Petrie getting shot, I love that you see... Because they're all firing Uzis, they're not accurate. So I love that you see the bullets kind of trailing upwards, like up the wall and then hitting Petrie. I yeah. love that it just wasn't like a sh- like him getting shot. I love that you can see the bullet holes hitting all around him. Yeah, this – and it's funny what you just said about uh, Jack Crack's face. As bad as the movie was, I could see like – the, the ghost of Mars, mm, you know, mm, John Carpenter's mm. the lead villain. Yeah. Looking like that. Yeah. Like that attitude. Yeah. He even had a weird name, like Jupiter or something. I forget what his name was, but it doesn't matter. Cause the movie's trash. Uh, but it really is. It's really, it really is. And guys, I am, you all know, I'm like one of the biggest John Carpenter marks there is he, on the planet. He is. Zach loves fucking John Carpenter, man. Loves him. And but yeah. Ghost of Mars is dog shit. And, and I'm sorry, it is. And I agree with you, buddy. I I wanted to like Ghost of Mars so bad. It had yeah. a very interesting concept, but boy, oh boy, was that execution just yikes. Oofa doofa. Yeah. Brutal. Brutal. Yep. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, this, this picture of fucking Joe, I love this shot of him kind of like popping up behind the barrier and shooting back. Like I said, when Jim Somerville spends his time on, on a panel or a page, it's fantastic. Um, back inside, Max is going down to the garage to start warming up the van. It should be noted that Max is in a wheelchair. He doesn't have uh, legs. And uh, so he goes down to the basement to start the wheelchair up. He's got a shotgun, though, on the back of his of his uh, wheelchair. Um, back outside, just more chaos, more action, you know, and everything happening. But then our boy Sick Dick pops up with a fucking bazooka. And Sick Dick. Sick Dick. And, of course, it's spelled S-I-K hyphen D-I-K. And uh, 
you know, he he hits the fucking front of that of the police station with the bazooka, blows blows it open basically. Um, they got to get back downstairs right now. It's uh, just Joe, Chris, and Keith because Petrie's dead. So they got to get back downstairs. They know that the kids are going to be coming in through the front. They get into the basement and Max is kind of pinned under some some beams and everything. You know, just some rubble and stuff. Uh, another explosion sort of bl- like blows the hole even even bigger. And Max is like, you guys got to just get out of here. Just leave now, you know? And of course, Joe doesn't want to leave Max, but he tells him to. So, you know, he's like, go, go, go. They get back into the van. It's Chris's driving. Keith's in the back seat and Joe's uh, in the passenger seat. And they just blast through the the front, you know, the front line. All the zombies are getting hit and everything. And then they start spilling into the destroyed police station. And I love this fucking Max is in his wheelchair with his shotgun. Uh, he's like his legs are on fire because a beam of wood is on his legs on fire. But the first zombie that walks in, he blows his fucking head off. I love that. <laughs> I love it when fucking people go out shooting. You know what I mean? Yeah, me too. And then another cool ass shot, uh, uh, Joe and the gang are being trailed, you know, by a bunch of kids, kids in the car, which is great. I mean, just zombies driving cars, man. This, this comic has so much in it that I, I wish it was like 10 issues versus four. Cause there's so much cool shit in it. But, uh, Keith pops up and I love this picture of him fucking shooting his like heavy machine gun and just tearing up the car. The car spins off crashes. I mean, dude, this is like a fucking movie, you know? And, uh, Max, uh, not Max. Um, uh, Joe says we're going back for Max, and of course Chris is like, "Are you insane? They've got him on a roast by now, you know, on a spit roast by now." And then Joe's like, "We're gonna get him back, even if all we find are his bones." And then the next, that's this issue. Next issue is called "Corpse Under Glass." Uh, any f- any wrap up thoughts on issue two? The opening is solid with the the president storyline. And yeah, as we get into number three, it, it kind of deflates pretty quickly. And I feel like th- this had the potential to be so much longer, mm-hmm. um, full on series, you know, and then you got your great leather and lace ad in the back of your comic. <laughs> so bada bing, bada boom, sleazy C strikes again. Yeah, buddy, man. I mean, dude, I, I can't even begin to tell you how much I love Barry Blair, uh, RIP. I think he passed away back in like 2001 or something like that. Um, I I wish he got more recognition and I know he's sleazy. I think that's the problem that he's, you know, he's not going to get that recognition because like a lot of his shit, uh, was a bit sleazy, but like he started air cell comics, you know? And I, I I wanted to, to mention it earlier and I'm, I, I'm an idiot for not saying it. Um, but it's interesting because air cell comics started out originally as like a, a, I think it was a, fuck, where is it on this thing? It was like, Aircell was not a comic book company. It was like a fucking, oh, why is it not here? Um, well, anyways, it was, it was, it was founded by Barry Blair, but the interesting thing was that it was a company that like, they, they produced like, like siding for a house or something. And then when they lost that contract with the government, they, they just were like, they were going to shutter. And Barry Blair said, let's just take this and take all of our equipment stuff and just turn this into a, a printing house. I want to know the story behind that because that's pretty fucking amazing to just take a company. But Aircell started as not a comic book company. Hey, everybody. Corey here. I have my editor's cap on right now. And I found the information that I was 
stumbling for earlier, and I figure I should just uh, you know read you the Wikipedia page. So uh, this is on the Aircell Comics Wikipedia page, company history. Aircell was originally a manufacturer of foam insulation. When the government discontinued its contract with the company, employee Barry Blair convinced the owner to shift the company's focus to comic book publishing, which was experiencing a boom. Blair ran the publishing operations, and Aircell's initial talent lineup included him, Dave Cooper, Patrick McEwen, and Gwang Yap. So, yeah, so I was close. Um, it was a, they're originally a manufacturer of foam insulation. And it's pretty, actually pretty cool that Barry Blair convinced them to just shift everything over. So, anyways, back to me and Zach. All right, on to issue number three, which is actually my favorite cover. I love this cover by Dale Keown. Uh, he went off to do uh, a very fun run of the Incredible Hulk comic back in uh, the 90s. And uh, it, was, it was when the Hulk was as smart. Well, he wasn't as smart as Banner, and he wasn't as strong as the Hulk, but he was a merger. So he had, like, Banner's brains, and he had the Hulk's body, and he didn't turn back, and he just was, like, kind of smart Hulk, kind of like was how you Grey saw— Hulk? Was Hulk? No, that wasn't, Hulk? that wasn't Mr. Fix-It. That wasn't uh, Grey Hulk. Okay. No, this was just another—Hulk's gone through so many different stuff. But, yeah, so Dale Keown did that, and then he went to Image and did The Pit— comic book uh which the pit was very much a hulk ripoff and i remember like i had issues like one and two and three and then like a year and a half went by and issue four came out no idea why and we found out that i don't know what it was for but dale kewen did a did a stint in jail so that's why the oh. pit had a huge fucking uh, delay in between like issues three and four he was writing. He was writing his own comic in the pit. He was. He was. <laughs> All right. So issue three starts off with an awesome picture of a zombie just eating the flesh off of a yeah. bone. I love that fucking shit, man. And then you pull back and you see the same zombie, but now he's with a bunch of other zombies, and they're all at the police station, but you know, the police station's all destroyed, and there's a body upside down that is, we find out it's Petrie's, it's got a note tacked to it, but like his legs are still there and his feet, and then like it goes into like his chest, his rib cage, and that's it. Everything else is just gore and intestines, and Jim Somerville just does a great job with that. So... Chris, Joe, and Keith kind of roll up. Cool, like, really cool, like, shot of them just gunning down all the zombies. And we have a few pages, just one-page splashes of just zombies getting fucked up. Every one of them is so much fun to see until you get to page number eight. And that is that is a rushed page. That is a, a very rushed page. The one right next to the Gun Fury ad. And this is prime example of what uh, Jim Somerville is is capable of when he's rushed, I think. I think this is an example of his rushed work. Oh, yeah. I can see why. I always kind of flew past that page. Yeah, it's like thicker. The lines are thicker. Yeah. It's it's like he drew it with his with the ink. Like he it's like he didn't lay down any pencils first and he was like, fuck it, I'm just gonna I I, I guarantee you he was rushed with this page right here. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. But it it doesn't take away from anything, but this page does kind of suck. Good thing the good thing is those are few and far between though. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. 
Um, so once they're done dispatching all the zombies, they grab the note off of Petrie's body. And I, I love this, just little things in the dialogue, like where Joe says Petrie was a jerk, but he deserved better. It, it just gives you a little bit of backstory into everything, you know, just little yep. pieces here and there. They find out that uh, I'll just read it to you, dearest Joe. If you wants if you wants to get Maxi Baxi, he be hanging rounds in PS sixty six playground. Hey, <laughs> we's be there too. Surprise, your yours use pal Jack. Guys, it's hard to read. <laughs> But it's fun. It's a lot of fun, you know. Um, they know it's a trap, obviously. Joe knows it's a trap. And they don't really say what the relationship is between Joe and Max, but you can tell that Joe and Max were super, super close before all of this sort of happened. Yeah. Um, but uh, so they want to get him back, or at least, you know, Joe does. And, and obviously Chris and Keith will uh, are along are for the ride. So, you know, they're going to do that. Cut to a funeral and uh, a, a you know five gun salute or whatever those things are called. It's the pre- it's it's the first lady. Um, you know you see the president saying goodbye, and then in the next page you see him in this like underground facility talking to his doctor that he was talking to earlier, and the doctor's kind of warning him that his wife may not recognize him. And then you see behind glass, she's like zombified, putting her face and her hands up against the glass. And this right here is the opposite of that other page we were just talking about. This is an example of when Somerville is just on point, like the drool is running down her mouth. And I love the little, like the smooth circles of where her, her, she's pressing up against the glass, you know? Yeah. But both of these, both, both pictures, both pages, you know, what is this? 14, 14 and 15 are yeah. just spectacular. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so page 15, you, uh, and, and, and so real quick, that this is the end of the president stuff. You don't see any more president after this. No, and it sucks. It does suck. And I guess it's like I, I kind of get the feeling that maybe they were trying to, you know, build something in that they were going to do with later. Uh, maybe the series didn't make enough money to warrant, you know, going further with it. But at the same time, if if someone said to me, you know, we know that we're not going to move forward. So do you want yeah. us to take the president stuff out? I would say no, because I liked it. I, I like that it gives you a broader version of the world, but at the same token, if you took it out and then put in maybe a bit more uh, character development for our main characters, that would be awesome too. Yeah, that yeah, no, that's a good point. So we cut to, like you said, page 15, the opposite page of the one with the, the first lady as a zombie. Page 15 is Keith, Chris, and Joe at the playground or, you know, the the... Is it, do you call this a playground? I guess it's not a playground. It's a like a basketball court, right? It's a basketball court, yeah. Yeah. So Max has been crucified to the basketball hoop. His eyeballs are clearly uh, eaten out. Uh, this scene kind of reminds me a little bit of Cyborg when he gets crucified, uh, but unfortunately Max does not survive this <laughs> like JCVD does. Oh, because he's not JCVD. <laughs> because come on. he's not JCVD and he doesn't have his legs. Um, but we know it's a trap. Like you know, so jo- of course Joe's on his hands and knees and and getting all upset. But everyone else is like, you know, Keith's like, come on, Joe, you, we gotta we gotta get out of here and. Uh, I love that, by the way. I I didn't miss that when you said it's a trap. <laughs> I know, I, I know you it. didn't. <laughs> I love Akbar. Um, and then in this cool panel, cool picture, you see 
the silhouettes of two zombies coming up behind Keith and Chris with like blades up, you know, they're going to basically kill them. Uh, one of them stabs Keith like from behind right in the heart. I mean, it's a cool picture. It's a cool shot. And then Chris kind of spins around really quick, quick and guns down the other zombies. Um, as Joe's going for his gun, Jack crack and his boys, the rest of the gang are kind of on the roof of the building. They, they do that thing where you, you shoot the gun. So the person can't sort of get it, you know, um, it's uh, it's Jack Crack. It's two zombies up top. Um, of course, Joe does die for his gun and kind of shoots upwards, kills another one of the zombies. And at this point, Jack Crack doesn't have that many people left in his in his entourage. You know, um, no, Keith- at some point, it's got to run out of Crack followers, <laughs> Crack kids, Crack kids, Crack kids. Um, Keith, uh, uh, Keith is dead. Uh, he's got the, the the knife sticking out of him. So I guess he'll turn into a zombie at some point, but you don't see that now or ever. But Jack Crack is telling, you know, Joe to come inside, come inside the building, chase them in. You know, it's, it's a trap. It's all a fucking trap. It's a trap. And, of course, they know it. They go in. Um, they're, you know, doing the thing where they're kind of clearing rooms and everything. But Chris kind of gets a little bit too far ahead. And I love this shot of the zombie just jumping out of the, the shadows and just stabbing her right in the boob, essentially. I mean, uh, in the chest. But, yeah, it's like – and it's it's cool because, like, you know, you're used to zombies just attacking you with their claws and their their fingers and stuff. But having a zombie, like, actually use guns and, and knives is, is pretty, pretty fucking crazy. But uh, – And they're off really quickly, too. Like, it, they don't they don't pull any punches. No. It, it's – it happens one after the other really quickly. Mm-hmm. So the odds are quickly. The, the the crack kids are definitely uh they got the upper hand, that's for sure. Yes, they do. Jack Crack's boys got the upper hand, but they are losing numbers fast. But uh, uh, Joe does, you know, spin around once Chris gets the knife in her chest. Joe does spin around and kill a couple of those guys. But then Barker, I'm sorry, but then Jack Crack's totally got, you know, the drop on him. And just plugs him, plugs like three shots into him. And it's a cool ass picture because Joe flies back, hits one of those, you know, in case of fire, break glass for the, for the, you know, the, the axe, the fireman axe, you know, he hits it, shatters the glass, but then kind of slides down holding his gun out. That last panel is so fucking cool right there. And then, yeah, oh yeah. Right? How, and then the next page, Jack cracks like, you know, I would say strikes threes use outs. Ha ha. Well, and, and you know, he's, he's sitting underneath a big old ax, mm-hmm. which is a great foreshadow. Exactly. The next issue is called dancing with the dead, but we are treated to like a tiny little story um, in the back uh, called a dead v- vignette. And basically, it's like, it's what if they, they you know, made, what if the zombie outbreak really happened while they were filming the original Night of the Living Dead? So you see this lady getting chased, and, you know, clearly it looks like Barbara from the original Night of the Living Dead. She's getting chased uh, by zombie bites into her, and she goes, ouch, that hurts. And then, of course, you know, someone yells, cut. And then, you know, the the, the guy playing the zombies, like, what are you, you know, you can tell he's all supposed to be, like, sophisticated and everything. He's like, oh that bitch you know i wasn't that mean you know i didn't bite her that hard and then he got and they have to go reset their scene so he kind of walks back to the graveyard and he's like oh he sees a hole in the ground and then right when uh, the director yells action 
the the zombie actor comes running with his arm ripped off and the girl's like the girl actor's like what the hell's happening and then the zombie actor who looks like a zombie you know but he's not he's just an actor he gets ripped in half by a real zombie and then the barbara actor gets grabbed and by her hair and gets her throat ripped out and then the guys just keep rolling you know uh, uh you know they're like who the hell are these guys and the director's like don't know they they look great keep rolling and then you know someone says think they need help george and he's like who cares i think we might have a hit on our hands tom is that tom <laughs> supposed to be tom savini i don't think so uh well george is so. clearly george ramiro what they're referencing I mean, it could, right? yeah it could have been tom savini yeah, yeah. A nod to Tom. It was fun. I never, I mean, I always, uh, I never kind of really cared for that little story. If anything, they could have used those three or four pages to, to add more to the, the president story, right? Yeah, they, they could have and should have, but it, it's, it's cute. It's fun. It's, it's, it's like the back end story. I get it. It's nice that they, they needed some sort of filler. Yeah. Uh, who knows if we get Jim Somerville on the show at some point, you know, down the road and we can ask him about that. That would be fucking awesome, dude. I actually didn't even think about that, but that's actually a really fucking cool idea. Thank Dude, let's make that happen. All right. <laughs> You're sure. like, sure, sure. <laughs> I made uh, Mark Ralston happen, yes. so why not? Yes. You, guys and gals, Zach makes every interview happen. I have, I mean, I wish I could do something with it, but it's, Zach's just, he's, he's crushing it on those ends. No, it's, so. they're, they're hard to get. They're hard to get good quality interviews but uh yeah jim somerville would be a cool one that would be a cool one that actually really really would be a cool one hey everybody Corey here i just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages hey everybody welcome to talking back the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies comics video games and more i'm your host tim and with me today in studio is co-host Dean. Oh, hey, Dean. hey, Tim. Dean. Huh? Uh, this isn't a full episode. This is actually just an ad. All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies, comics, or video games, they should definitely check us out. Oh, well then, thanks everybody for listening and we'll catch you next time. Talking back. La la. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la. Hello everybody, I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia. And now, back to the show. All right, guys. Well, this is issue four, and <laughs> this one's this one's a fast one. There's, like, no dialogue in this whatsoever. But, uh, all right, we'll get into it. So, 
open up and and right away we see Jack crack and he says, well, 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 who do we have here? He goes, it, it, it's kind of weird how it's kind of like he's like recapping from before, you know, if it isn't ex big shot ex cop Sergeant Joe Barker. You almost wiped us boys out. We's all that's left of the kids, you know. And there is only Jack Crack and uh, three other goons, one of which is Sick Dick. Sick Dick. Sick Dick. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I do like how Jack Crack says, you know, you basically killed all of us. We need some new recruits, so I'm probably just going to let you die here and then come back as one of us. He's like, or uh, we'll eat you. He's like, he's like, what do you say? Which which one do you want, you know? And, and I love how he's like, screw you. He's like, all right, well, see you for supper. And, he, and Jack Crack pulls out his gun to go kill Joe and gets his fucking hand shot off by Chris, who's still alive with a fucking blade sticking out of her chest. And she goes out like a fucking hero. Well, I was I was also going to say really quick, just to back up yeah. to the for the first image of the of you see uh, Jack Crack looking more humanistic than mm. he normally does in the rest of the comics, with his it's, actual eye versus yeah his eyes are usually just all white or like more kind of zombified out. This one looks a little more human. He actually looks a little like um, your boy uh, Hardware. Uh, uh, Richard Stanley looks Richard like he's, Stanley. he's got a little Richard Stanley look to him. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that. You're right. It's a good, good thing to point that out because I think, you know, giving him that human quality right there, it really adds to the menace of him, you know, and then the revenge that comes soon. Yeah. Um, now, if, if if Jack Crack did survive all of this, it would have sucked without one hand, but uh, I guess he would probably get by. So, <laughs> so Chris did shoot off his hand, and then, like, he's like, blow her freaking head off. So the other three zombies are, like, aiming at her, and she guns two of them down. And I love how Jack Crack's like, come on, dick killer, you know, because he doesn't have the gun. And then as as sick dick is getting riddled with bullets himself with a with a wicked gunshot to the head he's also lighting up chris and she takes like five gunshots like hits all over her body and this is this is the good example of what i really love about somerville's drawing like the the hits the the bullet hits i mean there's so much you can do with black and white yeah and he nails it completely he does this, of course, gives Joe the chance to sort of regain his composure, even though he's got a couple bullets in himself. But uh, this allows him to grab the the axe. And, oh, boy, here comes the fun. He says, Jack, I'm going to chop you up into little pieces. I love how Jack turns around and he's like, you know, he's like pops his fucking switchblade and fucking just Joe's like, no, no, no. It just kicks him right in the face just right in the face knocks the switchblade out of his hand sinks the fucking axe right into his chest says this is for max fucking pulls it out hits him a couple more times says this is for chris and keith cuts off his arm cuts off uh, jack crack's arm then sinks it right into his fucking gut and he goes and this is for my wife and kid you bastard i love how we find out it was earlier in the i think it was the first issue some of the dialogue alluded to one uh the fact that joe and his team killed all the the kids from hell so like that was clearly like a fight a battle that happened prior to the to the apocalypse and 
and then he yeah. and then he mentions how they he, he killed their kids, his wife and kids after they became zombies, you know. Um, so that was cool, and it's a great shot. I mean, he's lifting. You like so basically, Joe is coming at the camera, sinking the axe into Jack Crack's stomach. But you see Jack Crack from behind, kind of like getting taken off of his feet. It's very satisfying. Turn the page, a nice uh, ad for Sapphire by Barry Blair. I had that comic as well, adults only. <laughs> uh, and then I love this shot, man. Fucking Joe's standing there, one hand, or actually two hands. You can't see his other arm, holding the axe. And he says, and this one, and I love this. I love how Jack says, is for you, Barker? Yeah, Jack Crack. This one's for me. And sinks it right into his fucking forehead. And I love how you can see the blood coming out of Jack Crack's ear. And, of course, like, he also takes out, like, Jack Crack's good eye. So all you see, like, is his white eye, and which is great. Yeah. It's, it's very filmatic because the juxtaposition of how this – this issue started with you seeing Jack Crack from the point of view of his normal eye. Like, there's no more humanity in him now. He's just being completely destroyed by by Joe, and I love it. And this is gut-wrenching, but after it's all said and done, Joe says, you were right, Jack. We are both dead, and I'm going to stay dead. And we see a silhouette shot of him putting a machine gun into his mouth. <laughs> and you're like, okay, cool, a silhouette shot. And then not a silhouette shot, but a full fucking page, straight on shot of the gun firing. Joe's like teeth are getting blown apart. His head is getting blown out. There is nothing like, no romanticizing the suicide of this. You know, it is brutal as fucking hell honestly the suicide is might be one of the most brutal images in this entire fucking the issue it's the bleakness of uh zombie movies mm -hmm. you know it's the reality unfortunately i wish he I wish that wasn't the case of what happened to him but uh you know it's downbeat ending it's, it's very like the mist-esque yeah uh but you know that 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 was a bummer for me i, I was not a fan of that but it is what it is it's, it reminds me of Return of the Living Dead, you know? Yeah. How at the end, yeah. I mean, everyone dies. Yeah. So that was the main arc. Before we get into the, the, the bonus issue, um, do you want to talk about just this main, this is what we're really here to talk about. So do you want to just get into it now, or do you want me to just bump out the, the bonus one real quick, and then we just talk about it all together? Yeah, bump it out, okay. and then we'll just kind of wrap it up. Yeah. All at once. So the bonus issue, I'm not going to kind of break it down like, like I did before. It's just two stories. Uh, one story is called Dead or Dead. And it follows a kid whose dad was like the sheriff of this town, um, you know, modern town and everything. But you can tell the kid has lost his mind because he's reading Western comics and he talks about, you know, basically the town's just full of outlaws. And every time you see from the kid's point of view, you see zombies looking like, like sort of cartoonish um, uh, outlaws from the wild West, like very black hat, you know, they look like black hats, you know, um, they just look like bad guys. And then the, the kid is drawn with no pupils in his eyes whatsoever. I don't think he's supposed to be blind. I just think it's supposed to represent his like lack of his disconnection from reality, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. So 
you know, he, you see him kill one zombie in town, and then he's kind of uh, cuts to him in his little house or apartment, you know, reading a, a Western comic, and a group of bandits drive in on their motorcycles, and then when the kid looks out the window, you, you see from his point of view, and it looks like them riding in on horses, and this, like, gang kind of is uh, looking for a place to stay, or, you know, it's just the, the typical roaming gangs that you see in Walking Dead, uh, the Kirkman ones, as well as this one right here. Yep. This almost feels more Walking Dead than anything, or like more modern Walking Dead-esque. Yeah, this is definitely, and the remind the kid reminds me of the kid in Phantasm 3 that ends up buddying up with, mm. he's kind of like the new Michael in a way, you know, he's little vigilante kid. Because he's like, he's alive and surviving in one of these dead towns that the tall man yep. kind of, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right, very, very akin to that. Um you know, during the course of this, like basically, uh, he picks them off sort of one by one as they're they're spreading out throughout town, and uh, you know, he he just he basically just picks them all off essentially, and it comes down to him and the main bad guy, who's of course name is Billy, and uh, as he's getting like kind of running out of town, he gets shot dead or sh- shoots his arm, kind of falls off of his bike, and then the kill- kid comes up to him and he's like, "But you're just a kid," and I like that he goes, "And you're dead." and he shoots him right through the fucking forehead and it's yeah. really fucking cool but yeah it's it's just a little standalone story nothing too major and then uh we have this little an even weirder story called dead mass where you see this you can tell he's kind of a priest and he's having a dream where he's falling and he's trying to kind of like hold it together but he keeps losing it and and kind of keeps falling it's very trippy and eventually he kind of gets like sucked through like a little bit of a portal and he like warps looking falls into like this water um and then gets sucked down to all these demons and they say welcome home you know and and he's kind of screaming as these demons are sucking him down to you know hell and he wakes up screaming and it's dawn and then he steps outside and zombies are all rising, but he's telling them to rise because he's a zombie himself. So, and that's it. That's the bonus issue. That one, I think was him trying to show, I guess, what happens to your mind and soul when, when you become a zombie, I guess, you know, like what yeah. goes through your head. I can see that. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. So I like that idea. Yeah. I thought that, that was, it, it was neat, but you know, again, I, I wasn't like, I didn't love the, the the bonus issue as much, and it doesn't add anything to the main characters. So, you know, what, let's talk about the main story itself, the the four issues. What uh, what are your thoughts overall now that you've you know read it currently and, and everything? And and real quick, when was the last time you read it before this? Probably thirty years ago, mm-hmm. twenty years ago. Um, yeah. I want to say in the late 80s, early 90s, it was probably the last time I cracked it open and read it from cover to cover, issue to issue. Um, it's so, it's fun. It's fun. It's, 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 uh, it's a great story. Uh, you know, and when I say great by comic book standards, like uh, from independent 80s comic book standards, it's fun. It's like super entertaining. Uh, it checks all the boxes for me as far as what, I like to see in zombie lore, you know, world building folklore. It's and uh, it's a, and it's it's a much tighter story than I remember it being. Yeah, like I remember it for being a little bit more expansive. Uh, you know, the, the, its faults are the 
the dropping of of the the presidential storyline mm-hmm. um but i feel like it's weird almost you know and and again maybe that would be a, a good enough reason to have jim on the show is just to ask if this had planned to go bigger right and and if it was that makes total sense yeah if it doesn't then is it just filler you know was it you know good filler yeah uh but filler nevertheless and then the downbeat ending i get it i like upbeat endings personally yeah. it's just that's just me like i i don't need to see the the 90s the 90s and the early 2000s were so many horror films ended with that doom and gloom mm-hmm. and i'm just not a fan i'd rather see it go like return of the living dead i feel like there's still a slight chance you don't see them actually die. Right. You know? yeah. <laughs> you never know. You never know. Um, but, you know, it. it I, I get the reason why. I yeah. get why they do that, and I'm totally cool with that. I just prefer, like, the uh, the, the hero saving the day. Yeah. And that's it. So Joe is, like, very colorful characters, and I love that, you know, uh, Chris has is able to come back and have her, like, denouement. And uh, and and take out you know at least a hand and just settle you know even the score so to speak yeah um, it's badass I, I loved it I'm so glad once again I'm so glad you chose it dude it was it was a great great to cover thanks buddy I'm I'm really glad I'm glad you enjoyed it um, I'm very much enjoyed revisiting it with you my thoughts are pretty much the same as yours um, I, I I wanted more but at the same time I loved what I had and I felt like it offered enough possibilities to sort of fill my imagination and I could kind of go places with it um, the, the the ending the downbeat ending didn't bother me as much because I also like like I like movies like Man on Fire where the the main character is going to do he's going to win in the end even if it kills him doing it and I do love yeah. when like when characters are mortally wounded and yet still rise up and fucking destroy the 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 villain the antagonist so I I kind of that kind of digs into me but yeah I think that the ending where you actually see a full-on panel shot of his of his face getting blown off that's a that's a it's a hard one to take because he is your yeah. your protagonist you know he he is it and even in the mist you didn't see them like shoot themselves you know or, or him shoot them like you didn't see it, you only heard it here they just Jim Somerville was just like fuck it I'm gonna show it to you and it's it's brutal because it's your character that you like and uh, yeah I I like the president stuff I liked it because I was like oh. Cool. Cool. It gave you an idea of what else was happening, but I do wonder if maybe those pages would have been better served fleshing out some characters and, and you know, just giving a little bit more characters or backstory or something. I don't know, even a flashback to, like, what happened to his kids or something or his wife and kid. So who knows? But I love what's there. I love, like, what's here. I love reading it. I'll continue to read it like every freaking year. Like I usually do. It's one of those comics that I read pretty much every year. And just because I brought it with nice. me, I've, I've had it with me, you know, the whole time that I was in LA and everything. And I would just bust it out to, to go down the nostalgic road and everything. And, and like I said, I mean, like I, I love this story so much that I turned it into a freaking, you know, screenplay, uh, in college. So, you know, that says a lot right there. And I think I fleshed out some stuff and everything, but it's just, 
it's such a it's a fun story because it's just it's simple. It's kind of point A, point B, point C, and that's it. You know, that's all you got. And sometimes the the action is is what you want from a zombie movie. And the funny thing is, this is a zombie comic, but I've referred to it a lot of times in I've almost said movie a few times when we're talking here because Jim Somerville does a great job of making it feel filmatic. You know, he does a great job with the the action, the motion, and everything. And only only a few pages are were you know clearly rushed. But other than that, man, I think the artwork in this thing is just is fantastic. Yeah, I agree. And and the fact that this was like a two man show for this entire thing is pretty remarkable. Pretty pretty awesome. Pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. and he it's overall it's great there's i've got no no complaints it is it's kind of dawning on me now that i've moved around so much since i've owned this thing and it's always stayed with me in this little small box you know like you have and it's amazing to me how often you know when you when you go through like major transitions in your life or ups and downs what you get rid of because I've gotten rid of stuff that I look back and like, why did I just throw that out? Or why did I donate that? And, and I look back now and I'm like, what was it that compelled me to rarely open up this box of comics, but hold on to it the whole time. And I'm so glad I did, you know? And it's cool because we kind of discovered that we both, you know, like this series, like just recently, like, obviously we discussed it before, um, yeah. um, you know, doing this review, but it's, it's just so funny. Cause I was like, I remember when I, I kind of just was like, Hey, do you ever remember a comic called walking dead? And you're like, uh, yeah, I fucking loved it. I'm like, Oh my God. Like I never fucking talked to a single person that, that besides Luke and whatnot. You like, and Luke would read this with me and everything. You know, he loved it too. Um, cause Luke was my comic book buddy as a kid. So him and I would read a lot of comic books together and go to a lot of conventions together. But, um, I was like, oh shit. I was so, I guess I shouldn't have been shocked that, that you, you love this too, because we have so many similarities, you know? Well, yeah. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't wear it on my sleeve, but I'm a huge comic book guy. You are. And, uh, and, and it's funny because I think people, I don't think they get the misconception, but I think, uh, that's definitely an aspect of me that I don't show a lot of that i'm very i'm a very well-rounded nerd <laughs> you and, are you know, i got every every little aspect of nerdism in me I think my only biggest thing is that i'm not super into is japanese anime but that's pro- just because uh you know it's not my cup of tea i honestly wasn't i'm not into anime either dude i've I, i've seen you know some of the classics like Akira and Vampire D and whatnot, and yeah, yeah maybe have, one yeah. day Akira will pop up on on Pad, you know. But I didn't. I don't like anime. My wife does. We have a lot in common, my wife and I. But anime is so I where we diverge. She loves anime, and I loved comic books, and that was kind of how we we diverged. I would I would say if if we were ever gonna go that route, I'd rather go like Fist of the North Star. Mm, I love uh, that too. Versus, yeah, because because that I don't know for. I had the video getting the Nintendo game mm-hmm. back in the day too, yeah. and that was badass. Uh, that was good shit. <laughs> yeah, but if, if if it didn't if it didn't turn into a video game, you know, then uh, then I wasn't super into it. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, no, I yeah, I don't know why either. It just it just didn't do it for me, and that's fine. Like I've got nothing against it. I love it. I think it's beautiful. I, look, all fandom for everything is fantastic. Yeah, I'm so glad we we dove into uh, some comics because it opens up the potential down the road for more. Uh, fun reveals on yeah. either part. Yeah, but I'm I, already stacked up as it is on on 
movies going into 2021 for you. So, uh, you know, and I think you are too. Yeah. I was going to say, I have a, I have a package to mail out for you that has about three more movies in it. And I think you're sitting on two or three. So we're good for a bit, but I will say this, um, Zach and I did talk offline that this is kind of a test run for us to, to talk about comic books in the future. Um, not only, you know, the feedback from you guys, but also like how to break it down. I didn't, I was like, I don't know if this is going to work, Zach. So that worked for me. (laughs) Yeah. That worked for me. It actually worked pretty well. I felt like you were kind of doing what we normally do. Yeah. And I I didn't take notes. I just went through the comic. Like, so, you know, of course it helped that I've read it like five times in the past uh, 24 hours. So I pretty much know it, but it's, it's an easy read guys. It's a super easy read, but I do not think that this will be the last comic book series, mini series, or whatever that you guys hear on Podcast After Dark. Uh, could be the regular feed or it could be a sub show, but. Let us know. Let us know what you think of this episode. Let us know if you enjoyed this. You know, let us know on social media and everything what you thought of it. A nice little uh, this our, our little divergence that we did here from cult movies, which we will get back into on the next proper episode. We will. In fact, that's the next proper episode is my pick. It is, and I think it's my last pick of twenty twenty. Oh yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it's weird. We didn't. Okay. I didn't. Uh, I didn't plan on anything because the I send them to you and you you sort of pick what they are. So I don't have any like thematic like holiday stuff in there. So we're just gonna kind of you know keep going through. Yeah, I, I mean honestly, I like to keep the show evergreen anyway. So we don't really talk about topical things anyways. But if we you... don't, we don't. But I will. The only thing I'm saying is, and I, and I know this this people will be listening to this in 2024 and be like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> cool, cool, cool news, guys. Yeah, you know what it is. <laughs> shit. But I will say, just you know, just to give a little little, little dangle and a bit of a tease, um, it's if 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 you're if you're listening to this in like in order, uh, this this would be the episode that uh, you know it'd be end of the year kind of episode. Yeah. And, and and I have something definitely in mind for that. Okay. So I'm excited. My, my end of the year, my my final pick. Okay. I'm excited. Right. I'm excited for that, and I'm excited to see what you randomly pick of mine that I've sent you. <laughs> and that will be my final pick of the year. But yeah, we're coming into the home stretch of 2020. Thank fucking God. And uh, here's hoping 2021 is even better. But until then, you know what's even better? $2 late fee. <laughs> Yeah, two dollar late fees, a whole whole bag of whole bag of dicks. Um, <laughs> I don't even know what that meant. I don't either, but I love it. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, it's uh, two dollar late fee is my my other my other e- alter ego uh, retro trip down memory memory lane. Um, we talk about eighties movies, eighties soundtracks, eighties pop culture moments we interview actors from the 80s performers musicians yada 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 uh we've interviewed eric roberts we've interviewed um matt adler who plays uh rick kane from north shore that's a really my my wife that's her favorite episode of ours so that's saying something Mm -hmm. uh she's like i listened to the whole thing and i really enjoyed it i'm like yeah because it's good so uh but yeah i but it's more mainstream i guess robert romanis damone from fast times ridgemont high and then um uh, this month uh the the month the upcoming month we have uh some fun 
just a little diverting route. We're, we're actually, we interviewed Ed Asner of all people. Uh, the guy is like in his nineties. That's crazy. And yeah. Yeah. And, um, I, it was kind of a surprise that how we got that interview, it was not expected because I wanted to get somebody else and they're like, well, we got Ed Asner. I'm like, okay, I'll take Ed Asner. <laughs> yeah, we'll take sure. him. Sure. <laughs> He's kind of a, he is a living legend. Yeah. Uh, and then we're interviewing a good friend of mine, Carney Wilson, uh, one, one third of Wilson Phillips mm-hmm. and her husband, Rob, uh, it, for a very fun uh, kind of Christmas themed episode. Oh, so cute. that'll be later in the month. And yeah, something, something silly. And you know, like you, you say to me, Oh, I would really love to talk to Mark, Mark Ralston. I'm like done. And uh, my co-host Dustin Rubin, he's like, oh, I really want to, really want to talk to Carney Wilson about Hey Santa. Cause that's my favorite San- uh, Christmas song. I'm like, okay, <laughs> okay. sure. <laughs> let's do it. But no, it's, it's eighties inspired and it's a lot of fun. It's, it's basically, we want people to escape for 90 minutes of, of, uh, goodness and and uh forgetting about the 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 craziness in the world and just embrace one of the best the best decade for pop culture in my opinion so that's 2l or late fee um but sleazy c's got another podcast as well it's uh it's called uh all right what's it called (laughs) got right got right (laughs) it's called cartwright a seinfeld podcast with our pal adam and uh, he's he's back, baby. He, he's back from the COVID. He's better. He battled COVID <laughs> and he won. He battled COVID and he won. We had a two-week hiatus, but uh, luckily his wife, Keisha, jumped in and her and I recorded a bonus episode. People loved it. They ate that up, so that was nice. But we are back this week. So, yeah, we're back producing content. Adam and I had a great time discussing the dinner party and then the marine biologist, which I haven't edited yet, um, I think we might have been a little bit drunk that episode, but hey, what are you going to do? We had a good time. So yeah, check that out. If you like Seinfeld, if you love the show about nothing, we are on like episode 77. We are like halfway through season five. So we've banged out like 77 episodes over the past, what, year and a half, two years now. So we're about halfway through the series, essentially. So for a a show about nothing, you sure do have a lot of content. We sure do. We sure do so it's a lot of fun we have a great time breaking it down it's the same thing we just do here we, we we break down each episode and then just you know talk about it as we go along and and it's a lot of fun we love it and uh you know if you love what we do here then also please 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 check out our friends tim and dean over at talking back they produce a great show very much uh you know similar to ours similar to blast from our past similar to um cartwright where we all kind of just we break down the movies or the comic book or whatever and uh, we talk about it. And the cool thing is, with nostalgia-wise, like, we all have different nostalgia. And even, like, you know, you and me, like, like Pad versus $2 Late Fee, it's just, it's very different. Like, we have a lot of varying tastes and everything, and it's it's great. It's because we don't have a lot of crossover. So, but we hit a lot of <laughs> marks, essentially. So, Well, I think two things that, that we do very well that... Uh, I'm talking about all the podcasts in the in the BFOP network and our friends that we've supported. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm sure there's other people out there that we haven't heard of yet that are really good too. Yeah. But I think one of the n- things that's really important to understand about these nostalgia casts are they're very personal uh, for the most part. Mm-hmm. The ones that are more personal are the ones that are more entertaining, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. The ones that just kind of go over stuff but don't have a knowledge 
or a, or a personal connection to what they're talking about, it's just like the same as reading an article on the web. Yeah. And that's fine. Like that, that's cool. If you're into that, that's cool. But I think for the most part, all of our stuff comes from a very like heartfelt place. Pa- passionate, a passionate, passionate. Place. Yes. Very passionate place. Uh, and, and I think those are the casts that you listen to and you go, Oh yeah. Like I can totally relate to that too. Yeah. Or that's a cool, that's a cool way of looking at it. It's a cool connection. I never thought about that. Hopefully these spark a little bit of inspiration. Maybe hopefully they spark you to, you know, go dig into eBay and track down four issues of the walking dead. Yeah. Because that- believe it or not, you know, it's, I, 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 that's kind of a cool aspect of this is that like, I'm getting to rediscover movies and, you know, comic books that I, that I'd forgotten about or that I thought maybe I'll dig a little bit deeper, rewatch this and see how I feel about it. You know? Yeah. And, and I, I love that we also introduce people to things. We, we get yeah. hit up on Instagram and people tell us like, we had one guy uh, hit us up and he was like, you know, I just, uh, I listened to your episode on dreamscape. Now I'm going to watch the movie. And it's like, Whoa. Okay. Like, I feel like, so, like a lot of times people will want to watch the movie first and then listen to us. But some people like to hear our breakdown and then, Hey, if that movie sounds good, they go and check it out. I, I don't care which way you do it. I'm just happy that you're watching the movie that we're talking about. You know, I know I, I had that today on, $2 late fee with, uh, I do like a two for Tuesday thing on our Instagram page where we, I, I throw out two random movies. They have some sort of weird connection. And I threw out the taking of Beverly Hills mm. with Ken wall mm-hmm. and Matt Furrer and judgment night. Oh, judgment uh, night. when everyone knows judgment night, mm-hmm. and it's got a kick-ass soundtrack. And this guy chimed in who typically is like pretty knowledgeable on stuff. He's like, I haven't seen either of these. Mm. And I go, well, I know what you're doing tonight. <laughs> We're watching both of these. I love hearing people see one of our movies for the first time and like loving it. I think that's really fucking cool. Well, I think that's what happened with David Irons. He was yeah. like, oh, you guys, you did this movie. It was great. And now I've got, oh, I'm going to send you like so much great stuff. So much awesome such great shit. Guys. He's, he's just both of you, you and Sleazy, you're just they're such great guys, and I, I, I love you, and I, uh, just, oh, this movie's fantastic. I love David, man. He's Why great. Why does he sound like a bad Sean Connery? I don't know. You're devolving into that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I gotta, we gotta, we gotta do another episode with him, so I'll yeah. get my voice back on. But, uh, yeah, if you haven't listened to that, our, uh, our watch list about the top five VHS straight-to-video titles. Check that one out. It's I'm, really good. I'm fairly certain everyone we're talking to has listened to that because that episode did gangbusters numbers for us. Like, like, Re-listen to that episode. Yeah, well, watch lists do really <laughs> fucking well, man. I've listened to – I've re-listened to a few of our watch list episodes. Yeah, yeah, they're great. They're a lot of fucking fun, man. I find so many movies to watch because of our watch list. So we will be having, uh, we'll have another watch list soon. We also have another uh, a fun episode of TV Obscura coming soon. I think that'll be next Monday, hopefully, or the after this, after you're listening to this. So we should have a, we have some good content coming your way. So hopefully you guys dug this. 
Please let us know what you think of The Walking Dead comic book. Please let us know what you think of this episode. Do you want us to do more comic books in the future? Um, and then, of course, if you like what we do, check out our Patreon page. We plug it all the time, but, you know, we've got so much shit over there, and it, you know, it all, all the proceeds go to just keeping the show up and running and and keeping us producing new content, different content. We're, we have all, we have a bunch of shows that are in, we're trying to develop, and uh, honestly, we just, you know, you know, we just need some funding for some stuff. So, but until then, we're just going to keep on keeping on and we appreciate all the patrons that we have. We appreciate all the love and support that, uh, that you guys give us. And, uh, but we do know times are tough financially right now. Things are weird. They hopefully they're going to get better, but they might get worse before they get better. We don't know. So a free way to help the show out is to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That's still sort of the best podcatcher to find new new listeners and everything. So if you could leave us a five-star review and a little bit like a couple sentence write-up, that'd be awesome. Like that would go so far into helping getting new listeners in front of the show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, it's December, man. Time to watch uh, fucking Trading Places again. Christmas movie or Invasion USA yeah up there or Invasion USA fucking love it buddy and uh, as always we'll catch you on the dark side join the podcasting after dark Patreon community to unlock exclusive monthly content like cast interviews and a fan feedback show plus you get every regular episode of podcasting after dark completely ad free You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us five stars on Apple Podcasts and by recommending us to your friends. Finally, make sure you follow us on Reddit, Instagram, and Facebook for news and updates about future episodes. Just search for Podcasting After Dark. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it.